Good morning. It is Monday, May 23rd, 2022, and this is DC Signal to Noise. Okay, since we last talked, the Hard Red Winter Wheat Tour wrapped up. Uh, India scaled back its wheat export ban. Indonesia got back in the palm oil export business, but Malaysia has halted the export of 3.6 million chickens. The global food scares are likely to intensify in the week ahead. White House advisors were thrown for a loop by President Joe Biden over the weekend. We'll talk more about that. And early voting won the Preakness. Epicenter finished second for the second time in a triple crown race. And Justin Thomas started the final day of the PGA Championship seven strokes from the top of the leaderboard and wrapped it up with a tap-in par to win the championship. Jim Wiesmeyer. Pro Farmer Policy Analyst, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Well, we had 95-degree weather over the weekend, but we got a cold front, and boy, did we get some needed rains. Well, we, we, we got a little bit of rain at the end of last week, but it knocked our temperatures back. It was a cool weekend. Hmm. It's cool again. We went from, with it, within 48 hours, we went from furnace to air conditioner, and now we're back. To run in the furnace here in, yeah, in it's Northeast that time of year, I guess. Yeah, it's just crazy. Good morning, everyone. Glad that you are with us. I'm AgriTalk host Chip Flory. Uh, as we go throughout the, uh, the this morning's conversation, there's a comments tab on your screen. If you want to be part of the conversation, just click on that comments tab, and Jim and I will be watching for it as time goes on. There's Melody again already this morning. Good morning. All right. Uh, Jim, let's start with one that we had talked about for quite some time when we finally got some some details on it last week. WIP Plus is now the emergency relief program. Yes, uh, ERP, as we call it, ERP. Uh, uh, and about $6 billion is going to go out for eligible 2020 and 2021 uh, crops, uh, Chip. Much needed uh, based on all the emails I get on this, and this is phase one, so phase two will come out later. But it looks like they did some of the tweaking that will be positive. So I, uh, I think they're learning about this program. Yeah, and phase two, it, basically, if you don't get a payment in phase one, they'll figure out a way to get you a payment in phase two is what it looks like to me. Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. They're and, using, they're using available data now, much like they did for the livestock sector. Mm -hmm. If, if, uh, if, if you recall, so this is getting to be kind of a mature program, if you will. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, phase two of, of the program could push total payments as I understand it up to $10 billion. So, this is not an insignificant program, Jim. This is no. one that that's going to to add to uh, to to net farm income in in 2022. Yes, it will. Uh, recall that Congress uh, authorized 10 billion dollars last September, uh, combined uh, yeah. crop and and uh, and uh, livestock chip. So yeah, that's a chunk of change there. Right. Right. Okay. Um, another one that happened last week that I think is important is Growth Energy and EPA have reached a deal on the 2023 Renewable Fuel Standards and uh, Renewable Volume Obligation Timeline. So it, uh, it, 
by the time we get to this fall, we're going to have a good idea of what that two, 2023 program is going to look like. Shouldn't yeah, we? You, you would hope. Uh, you know, yeah. it takes a, 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 an energy group, in this case, growth energy, to sue the EPA just to follow what they're supposed to do. But that's the world we right. live in now. So they, they, they were upset that they were, were already behind in setting the ethanol mandate for 2023 uh you right. know and that's the first year epa has a relatively free hand in drafting the regulation chip so the consent degree would resolve that complaint and, and would oblige the uh, epa to propose the rvos <clears throat> by september the 16th this year and right. finalize it by april 23rd next year right right okay uh, we are also coming up very quickly on June 3rd, which is when EPA is uh, expected to deliver. Is it the final rule or the fi the proposed final rule on blending obligations for 2022? I, I think it's the final. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So and we they're should meeting be getting with that. the last of the groups this week, Chip. So they're gearing up. So we'll finally get it. Although, uh, as we discussed on AgriTalk Friday, uh, uh, EPA Administrator Michael Regan is giving mixed signals again. Yeah. So we're going to have to wait to see this bona fide announcement. That's right. Uh, now, the mixed signals um, go, go back to the SRE request. There are 60 some that are still pending. Those are expected to be thrown out. And I think that is still the message that we're getting from yes. EPA. But what he told told AgriTalk listeners what three weeks ago now uh, was what he said. I went back and listened to it was he said that there's no guarantee that the flexibility on the uh, on meeting those those expired obligations uh, that that uh, the refiners would have an alternative route to compliance said there was no guarantee of that. That's all he said. Yeah. So they're trying to find some way somehow to give refiners some flexibility on those blending obligations, Jim. Small refiners, however yes. they define it. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it seems like, and he, he said the line, they want to stay, uh, or they have to stay within the confines of the law. You know, I think right. that's always interesting to say. Uh, so, yeah, it's a little murky here now. So we're going to have to wait to see the actual words. Right, right. Okay. Uh, Aaron's got a question for you, Jim. And it is question to why there is, uh, why is there no linkage requirement for the ELRP for livestock grazing versus uh, for the crop side? There are great RMA programs for cattle producers to buy rainfall insurance for grazing. There really are. Hmm. Uh, uh, the pasture and rangeland. Uh, coverage it it really is a heck of a good program so you're so this person is suggesting a mandate then that if you get this program you have to comply with that other program as i understand no right. i think what he i think what he is suggesting is if you've got that coverage if you've got the pasture and rangeland coverage why can't there be an an erp for livestock tied to that oh i will check into that that's, an, yeah. that's a good question. Yeah, yeah. We'll check into it. Legit. We'll into it. Legit. All right. Uh, another thing on Friday. <laughs> uh, judge 
on Friday. Boy, kind of just in the nick of time, really. Uh, halted the administration's plans to lift uh, Title 42. So the, the administration was going to lift Title 42 today, and that has been put off at least for a little while. Yes, and the Justice Department did appeal the case, but, you know, as we talked about on AgriTalk Friday, it looks like the uh, judge in this case is going to bail out the administration from what would have been a major boost in the number of uh, 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 undocumented or illegal yeah. immigrants coming across that border beginning today. So uh, I think this punts it until uh, uh, after the November 8th elections. Okay. All right. Very good. Uh, one more from last week. A, a lot of talk that the U.S. is ready to, to take Canada uh, to court over the TRQs. What's the status there? We may well know Thursday. That's okay. when USDA Secretary Vilsack appears before it's the Senate Ag Committee chip. And, you know, you can, it's, it's almost like looking at a, at a commodity chart. You know, you can almost predict it. Uh, he likes to break news. So at the time, he said, stay tuned. I yeah. know the White House, uh, both U.S. trade rep and Vilsack, is being pressured to get aggressive on uh, on Canada. And a number of other countries have been complaining about their dairy policy at now. So we could see an announcement this week, Jeff. Okay. Okay, let's go to the weekend, because it was quite the active weekend, Jim. <laughs> Um, we, we got to start with the big one, the big gaffe over the weekend, president Biden in Japan was asked if the U S would intervene militarily, if China would move on Taiwan and, and president Biden said, yes. Yeah. He said that U S military would intervene to defend Taiwan from any attack from China. Then the comment was quickly walked back by the White House, who later said Biden simply meant the U.S. would provide equipment rather than troops should China invade. Now, you know, Chip, that if you were briefing the president on his major trip to Japan and other Asian countries, South Korea, et cetera, you know this issue was going to come up. So again, it's like preparing for a political debate. You, you just should know the response, but yet he bollocksed it. Yeah. It, the, uh, the optics on this are terrible, Jim. Not good. It's, no. it's absolutely terrible. Uh, we've, uh, and you know that I've been growing increasingly frustrated with Joe Biden's um, lack of, uh, you can't trust him to be a leader. Uh, no, I, again, I think Elon Musk nailed it the last week when he said he who controls the teleprompter controls this country's leadership. And uh, I don't know who's writing everything for him, but in many cases it's, and I hate to say this, it's not the president himself. No, that's right. That's right. Okay. Anything else to say on that? Well, we've got all sorts of analysis out this morning, I notice, in the Wall Street Journal and elsewhere on the U.S.-China uh, phase one agreement, who won, oh. et cetera. And I thought the best quote they had in it was uh, 
neither country won, but uh, other than Vietnam, they were the big winner of that trade spat between the U.S. and China. So I thought that was interesting. And then now over the weekend, we have the Daboy, is that how you pronounce it, uh, conference. Yeah. Uh, and a host of leaders are going to be there. So that's going to make some news. We've already got uh, the International Monetary Fund saying that they'll likely have to trim their forecast for economic growth this year for a number of countries in the world. And then you've got uh, Ukraine's uh, you know, president speaking there today. So, you know, they're going to have a number of le world leaders at that event uh, in person for the you know, first time in several years, Chip. Okay. The, the questions and the comments are starting to stack up, but I want to continue on this line of <clears throat> conversation here for just a moment. Uh, you, you mentioned that there's some consideration by the Biden administration to remove the tariffs on China that were put on by the Trump administration. Yes. At the same time, the Biden administration announced that a dozen Indo-Pacific countries will join the U.S. in a sweeping economic initiative designed to counter China's influence in the region. How do, how do those two things fit together? <laughs> Nobody said government has to be consistent. Now, this shows you some internal battles, however. Uh, there's the State Department is wanting to lighten up on these tariffs, but you've got U.S. Trade Rep Catherine Tai uh, uh, saying no, that she'll lose her leverage, whatever they have, on China in ongoing trade talks. So uh, uh, most of the people tell me Biden wants to have those tariffs lifted. And uh, that uh, on Friday and again this morning led to higher calls for the U.S. equity markets, Chip. So they must think it's good news. Okay. But as far as the Indo-Pacific uh, partnership, uh, it's really a framework. It's not a bona fide right. trade agreement, but it does constitute around 40% of the GDP of the world. And as you right. said, th that, it, it, it's really directed against China, and it doesn't uh, include Taiwan, even though some lawmakers, such as you know Senator Grassley, wanted it to include Taiwan. Uh, but they excluded Taiwan because they didn't want to upset China. That's basically what the briefers, you know, said about it. But it's really an announcement. It doesn't. I don't think have much effectiveness. There, we don't even know whether there's uh, how to, there's no dispute resolution, at least that they've announced that's part of it, but it's, it's their marquee accomplishment of, of uh, Biden's first trip to Asia, Australia, India, yeah. Japan, so, you know, uh, uh, et cetera, as far as those countries being included, Chip. Okay. Okay. Um <clears throat> USDA Secretary Vilsack was there when the plane loaded with 35 tons of baby formula arrived in Indianapolis or Indiana yesterday. Now it's a special baby formula for infants, toddlers that are intolerant to some of the proteins in cow's milk. Uh, so it's not going onto the shelves. It's going to be delivered directly to those, those families. Uh, it, it's some, it's some progress in resolving the issues, but I, I, I got to believe that not they, they've got the ball rolling on this. They're going to be trying to make some quick progress, won't they? Uh, 
And, and I think they are, to, to be honest. Uh, they announced also that an additional flights to import that formula uh, are, are coming in the next few days. So I think they're getting a handle on it. Again, the fault was th that they've known this for months and they just yeah. didn't act. And you know Vilsack's going to be, because USDA is part of this, and this is why he was in Indianapolis Sunday to visibly see that that uh, you know airline coming in uh, on it and 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 more ahead and it, you know Vilsack obviously will talk about this Thursday at the Senate Ag Committee here. I ca I caught him on the Today Show and he said, "Listen, we acted as quickly as we could." Yes, yeah. They I, once they show. I, I don't know how that's acting as quickly as they could. Well, as I said before, when you hear when you have a political issue involving baby formula. Sure. <laughs> you had to act two days prior to a problem occurring. So again, you wonder what is going on in the administration strategy sessions, Chip, or the lack of them. Right. It's just amazing. All right. Uh, Gary's got a couple of good ones here, Jim. Number one, is the baby food shortage the first time in American history that we required assistance for food? It's the first time we we required what assistance for food. Oh, out of the from the U in the U.S. Uh, <laughs> you know, I I've been as, ever I since I read it. I've been trying to come up with another time. No, no. I, I toilet well, paper, but not food. <laughs> paper but not food we'll we'll do a little research on that Gary, that again but... shows you the feeling not just in the u.s but around the world of how the system uh of, of checks and balances on supplies has broken down yeah. you know it's just and it's getting people more than upset i don't care whether you're democrat oh. or republican it's just these are the things you saw in third world countries for many years and it's happening and it's here. happening. But that shows you the logistics system that just in time that we've discussed many times, it, it's broken. And uh, so now it's going to take a while for it to come back. And it will. And I think it'll be a better system, actually, that we source it either either from the U.S., but I think in countries like Mexico, I am very optimistic about how this is going to help Mexico. Okay. All right. Very good. Uh, second one from Gary. <clears throat> is Washington starting to wake up to how ESG scoring, environmental social governance scoring, can be weaponized against a company like Elon Musk's? Uh, yes, they are, and they should have before. And a number of farm groups, uh, led by, in this case, National Pork Producers Council, they were early on in telling uh, their individual companies' membership that uh, what this could mean to portions of the ag sector. So, yeah, these are the tools that certain people use that they can do it administratively, Chip. And this is a very aggressive leader in the Securities and Exchange you know, uh, Commission. Uh, so he wants to yield with a, uh, a big fork, if you will. Right. Okay. Uh, another comment from Gary, I think is important to add here. Gary says, currently I'm aware of over 20 states that have 
or are taking up anti-ESG regulations. Um, let's see. The best one is they're stripping out pension funds from being invested in pro-ESG companies. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, now with this downturn in the marketplace, I mean, and it's more than a downturn. It's a, it's a bloodbath. Uh, you're seeing the return of most officials and companies uh, to focus on growth rather than being uh, uh, married to this ESG themselves. You know, in other words, uh, they need to focus on their business at hand. That a number of companies got waylaid into these other social issues and it's it's not been all that great for stockholders right so again okay. the thrust of the question i think is correct uh yeah. i think it's reached the peak if this is one of the avenues that the administration has been using means to an end and this is the climate change there and remember when when Biden first came in, he, he did not hide anything on this. They will do whatever they need, think that they need to do. The whole of government. The whole of government. And this is part of it. The ESG is. Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, <clears throat> it leads us down the path of, of the kind of conversation that we had on Friday on the free-for-all on AgriTalk about energy prices, Jim. Uh, yeah, whether or not when when uh, the interior secretary would not answer uh, whether or not she thought current prices were too high, leading some to conclude they just want these higher prices, uh, 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 criticism by some, not all, uh, to to uh, to encourage people to go more biofuels, electric vehicles, etc. And I. Yeah. There is certain contingency in the government to t to take more than a few whacks at the crude oil industry, uh, automobiles as we know them, et cetera. So that plays right into that. Yeah. Energy Secretary Granholm just came right out and said it, yes. uh, that the high fuel prices should be encouraging, accelerating our movement to clean energy. Yes. <laughs> at least... <laughs> I like a person like her that doesn't finesse, you know, at least you know where she's coming from. Uh, but yeah, this is their, uh, this is their modus operandi. It's the agenda. It's the agenda and we're all part of it. There's no, you can't, you can't not be part of it when, when what is happening to energy prices is happening. Well, this is why energy companies don't want to invest the billions of dollars they typically did every year in exploration, yeah. uh, uh, just uh, proposing new pipelines, whatever, leases, because they don't have any confidence that uh, they can attract the financing chip as a result of this deadlock on them by the Biden administration from yeah. our one uh, they were against the uh, you know crude oil industry, and they've done nothing to change that attitude. It's one of the reasons that the that the RFS reset concerns me now more than before. Because um, if if we would see that positive RFS reset going forward, which Michael Regan told us was was going to happen. Um, it would suggest that the the lifeline, the timeline 
on liquid fuels and combustible engines is being extended. Uh, yes. And, and you have to watch out. There's a lot of details to come on this reset. How did they, uh, how did they deal with the uh, uh, electric cars? What, what are yeah. the stipulations on them? What do they uh, give them as opposed to like a REN, you know, a, a yeah. REN for an electric vehicle? <clears throat> These are important decisions. They're, they're legitimate decisions, but what we need to know and usually Congress gets involved on this one, but they have taken a, just a, a, their hands off of this issue. And Regan confirmed that to us when yeah. we asked him, are you surprised? And he said he was. Yes. So there's yeah. no consensus in Washington on this in Congress. You can imagine with the right. crude oil states versus the fuel, uh, the uh, you know, biofuel states, et cetera, where they could both come together, I think, personally, to help each other, but we're not in that mode yet. Right, right. Uh, Nate made a comment here that, it, and I just want to emphasize that this is a this is a point that Jim has made. I've made it. We've been consistent in this. Uh, he says the problem of this agenda is there is no thought at all about how we are going to become green and to Jim's point, the cost is unreal to get there. Yeah, we've we've made that point, that exact point, many times. Yeah, it's like they wanted to go to transition to to green energy in one year, right? Yeah, and it's going to take minimum of a decade, minimum yeah. oh. of a decade. So this is why you don't cancel new pipelines right away your first week in <laughs> office. This is why you have to send the investment signal to transition. From uh, very clean, a lot cleaner uh, crude oil than the rest of the world, but that's not the avenue they went, and it's giving all sorts of distorted signals. Right, right. Um, National Economic Council Director Brian Deese yesterday said that he recognizes the risk of the U.S. falling into a recession. Jim, he said there's no guarantee that it's going to happen, but he said it, there's always the risk. Yes. Well, at least he's honest in that regard, because you've had uh, a Treasury Secretary Yellen, who cynically, I say, when she says we won't have stagflation or recession, I up the odds that we will. I think she's right. lost her her credibility uh, on it. And that's a shame. Uh, but uh, th this uh, market is signaling a lot of problems uh, ahead, Chip, not only in the U.S., but around the world. As I said before, the IMF is signaling this week that they're going to have to take another notch or two down under the GDP gross domestic product for a number of uh, uh, countries. And we're well, be well not out of the woods relative to China's COVID uh, zero so-called right. zero COVID strategy, because once again, today we wake up and they have an accelerated number of cases in some of the cities. So this this is going to lead to more extended logistics problems that will take us into 2023. So all this adds up to a, uh, uh, a slower growth under the U.S. and a number of other countries. The U.K. is clearly headed for a recession and probably Germany. And then it's going it's, it, it's to extend from there. Hope I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. I don't think you are either. Um, on the, you know, obviously fuel prices play an important role in the inflation that we're dealing with. And the White House is exploring the possibility of tapping into an emergency diesel reserve i didn't yeah, know what I, we had 
an emergency diesel reserve. Well, I didn't know, but then I did recall writing the stories, uh, Sandy Hook, that they tapped, or that maybe that's when they started it. I'm trying to find out how many gallons are in this, and I've not been able to. CNN broke this story. I'll give them credit for that one. But I really don't think that there's that much. So this is, again, a, another policy announcement, Chip, to show that they're trying different elements uh, other than in, uh, significantly increasing production of oil here. Right. Okay. And they better be worried about diesel and propane because it's going to hit, it's going to continue to hit later this year. And that, that'll yeah. really be important for the ag sector. Yep. No doubt. All right. Tomorrow marks three months since Russia launched into Ukraine. Uh, Cy Cyborg has a question here. When will sinking ships in Ukraine conflict uh, nine equals canceling Paris Accord or Green New Deal? I'm uh, not exactly sure where we're going there with this, but I think what Cy Cyborg is saying is back to what we were talking about on the Green New Deal and so on and and the the uh, ESG uh, protocols that are out there. The, the I, I don't know what I'm not exactly sure what size getting at here. Well, all I know is relative to Ukraine, the G7 countries, and of course now Biden's over in in Asia. They continue to talk about options, Chip. They want to get that twenty to 22 million tons of grain yeah, out wow. of Ukraine yeah. into the marketplace. And, and again, I don't think it's a question of uh, when that happens, if it's when and how, because uh, increasingly the top officials of uh, major countries, including Biden, they're worried about this food issue. And they know history shows that that can lead to a lot of uh, 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 you know developing countries uh, conflicts within their countries. So I think that's at the top of the list uh, for the next few months. And they're going to try to encourage countries such as India, Malaysia, Indonesia, just to stop doing their uh, up and down uh, export bans. So this is going to be a growing story because you've got the Economist uh, magazine talking about this front page story. You've got the Wall Street Journal, Financial Times of London. They're all focusing on this now, which tells you this is at the highest levels of a number of countries. Right. Okay. Uh, real quick for Melody, environmentalism versus climate change is not the same thing. And I agree. I agree yeah. with that. Uh, and from Bill, diesel and propane shortages will cripple transport, construction, manufacturing, and food. Lack of refining capacity is killing the USA. Uh, yeah, well, we're, going, <laughs> we're in the slow, uh, slow process of increasing refining capacity. Yep. Uh, and in the manufacturing secretary relative to logistics, that's underway, but it's going to take several years. Uh, and I agree, environmentalism, of which farmers, as we always say, are some of the best environmentalists. It's usually the 1% or less than 1% who get the media attention in any sector. 
so uh, agriculture has a number of environmental type programs that they should be proud of. Uh, the CRP, the EQIP, and many others. And as yeah. I keep on saying, the new farm bill is mainly going to be evolutionary, but it'll it'll be revolutionary in two areas: conservation program. Yep. You watch the attention lawmakers will give conservation program, both funding, uh, technical help, etc., and on climate change because yep. the ag sector wants to believe Vilsack when he says. Uh, climate uh, mitigation, you know, carbon mitigation can be the next revenue stream for agriculture, but right. we're, we're it's just in the beginning ways of, of determining that. Right. Very good. Jim, I think that pretty well wraps it up, doesn't it? It does. Uh, we're on hold. We'll, we'll see how the cattle market's going to do with that bearish uh, placements number. So we'll right. watch the market there. Hog market looks like it's continuing their seasonal early summer uh, rally and I'm getting ready for uh, Vilsack on Thursday because he could break some uh, news in a number of areas, Jeff. Yeah, very good. Like I said on Friday in the free for all, the thing that I'm going to be watching this week is how much progress they can or can't make on getting that grain out of Ukraine. Yes. I think that's going to be a very important uh, issue to watch this week. Sure. All right. Good work. This yeah. morning on AgriTalk, we've got Machinery Pete and Representative Sam Graves. Be sure to tune in for that. Have a great week, everybody. Keep watching for those signals. Mm -hmm.